Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I know this program is 70 over 70, but uh, I really wish I were younger. I wish I were 70, but I am ready. I'm 72 years old. I'm 75, miraculously enough. I am 83 years old. I am 88 years old. You know, I'm here at 92. I'll be 94 in May. I'm 101 years old. My name is Gloria Allen. I'm 75 and I live in Chicago. If I could go back in time and thank anybody. It would be my grandmother, my great aunt, and of course, my beautiful mother. Oh, that would take me to heaven with them. Coming out of the closet, it doesn't apply to me because my mother knew from the beginning, who I was and what I was. I was just a pretty little boy. But once a baby, then a lady, now I'm a woman. My grandmother, my great aunt, and my mother, I look up to them still today because they were accepting of me and they would tell me, you are so special and we are so proud of you. It's a touching thing for me because 
I do that for my LGBTQ community, young trans women or girls. I tell them, walk with your head up. You know, be proud of who you are and what you are. And these three amazing women that I talk about all the time, they taught me everything about love. They taught me how to love myself. That was Gloria Allen. And from Pineapple Street Studios, this is 70 Over 70, a show about making the most of the time we have left. I'm Max Linsky. My guest this week is Dionne Warwick. You might know her as a singer. Over the years, she's had 56 songs on the Billboard Top 100. You also might know her from her days hosting the Psychic Friends Network. Or maybe you just got to know her recently, during the pandemic, when she became one of the most popular and most delightful voices on Twitter. Dionne grew up in New Jersey. She was part of a musical family. Whitney Houston was actually her cousin. But it was the lessons she learned from her grandfather, a minister, that she returned to again and again in our conversation. He told her from a young age that she had a purpose, a reason for being. And though she's constantly reinvented herself throughout her career, Dion always knew who she was. I wanted to understand how she did that, how she had all these totally different lives and yet never lost her sense of self. So I called her up. Dion Warwick is 80 years old. Dionne Warwick, welcome to the show. I can't believe you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I got so much I want to talk to you about, but I feel like we got to start with this moment that you're having on the internet. (laughs) You like basically own Twitter now. You are the queen of Twitter. (laughs) That's what they tell me anyway. (laughs) Does it not feel like that to you? Oh, I'm having a ball. I'm having just a bunch of fun. That's what I'm doing. What's fun about it for you? I, you know, just being able to, first of all, interface with with the, the youngsters, especially those in, in my industry, and being the grown-up on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? It's like the kids, uh, and I call them the kids because they are compared to, to me, they're gravitating to me. It's just wonderful. You know, they're asking questions and really pertinent ones. And I hope I'm being up some good for them. They seem love my wit and my straightforwardness. Yeah, before this, did you not feel very connected to that generation of people? No, not really. I didn't. You know, I kind of remained with my peers. And, uh, you know, it's not something that I feel I have to do every single day. I don't get up in the morning and say, oh, I got to get on Twitter. No, you know, I just, I choose my time and some wonderful things have developed because of it. You know, I've made some wonderful friends in the younger generation of entertainers, one being Chance, the rapper. Mm-hmm. He's just a wonderful young man. And as a result of it, Chance and I will be recording very, very soon. No way. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, he's very happy about it, too, which makes me feel very good. 
It's so nice to hear that um, it's more than just giving you a chance to make some jokes, although your jokes are very good. But <laughs> it's nice to hear that real world stuff's coming out of it, too. Uh-huh. It is. You know, and well, not only the chance, I'll be also going in the studio with The weekend. Really? Like I said, I've made some wonderful friends. I first of all didn't think they knew who I was, much less me knowing who they are. You know, <laughs> it's just that it's become more than just me being on Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's, it's forming wonderful friendships and bonds. Well, that's part of what I wanted to ask you about is, you know, whether it's Chance or The Weeknd or just a young person who's on Twitter. What do you think their understanding of Dionne Warwick was before this moment where you connected with them? Well, first of all, I'm certain that uh, somewhere along the line, their mom and dad had to play a record of mine every now and then. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, they basically, they all know who I am insofar as recording is are concerned. But they didn't know Dion, the person. Right. And that's who I want all of them to know, the person. Everybody has a career, and we all understand that. But what are you made out of? I am Dion from beginning to end. I will always be who I am. I, I like me, you know? So there's no reason for me to be anything other than who and what I am. And I think that's really the what is becoming the charm. They're finding that I, I, that's a real person. <laughs> and that's always been the case for you. Like you've... Uh... You've always known who you were and like that person? Absolutely. You know, my parents, God rest them both, my grandparents, all of my relatives have always been who they are. And my mom and dad made sure that I realized you can only be who you are. You cannot be anyone else. So don't even try it. Just be Dion. And, you know, even my friends that I made during my primary years and are still with us. Those that are still with us will tell you in a heartbeat, well, unless you really want to know, don't ask Dion. Because <laughs> <laughs> she will tell you. You know, I've always been one that has been straight up. I have found no reason not to be that way. It's the old saying, what you see is what you get. That's what it is. It's hard to be that way. I mean, for other people, at least, because there can be some risks in like saying what you really think, you know? You know what? My grandpa told me ages ago, my grandfather is a minister, and he always said, the truth prevails. And I truly believe that. And he says, I don't care what goes up or down, you tell the truth. And there's going to be moments when it's going to blow up in your face. And people are going to look at you cross-eyed and act like you don't exist. He says, but when the smoke clears, guess who's going to be standing tall? You. And that's my M.O. And when you say, like, I've always known who I am, I'm the same person as I was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, or 40 years ago. Yeah. That's what that means, is, is being honest, saying what's on your mind. Yeah, being who you are, you know. And what's, what's wrong with saying what's on your mind. That's why you have a mind. You know, everybody has an opinion and those opinions should be able to be voiced, understood, accepted, and or let's have a little discussion about it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, nothing wrong with that at all. Has that stayed steady as you've had all of these different reinventions of your career? You know what I mean? Like you've had these totally different eras in your public life. Sure. You know, every every year brings something new. I happen to be, I feel truly blessed. Because first of all, I've been still within this industry and well respected and regarded over all close to 60 years now and have not deeded or doddered from who and what I, I am. You know, I had the opportunity to, to become a part of the disco scene when those recordings were being made. But that's when my recording career kind of went into a lull. And I, I didn't feel comfortable thinking that, well, let me jump on this bandwagon. First of all, I don't think those that were supportive of my career at that point in time would have even considered Damn well, we're doing disco. No. (laughs) Not an option. (laughs) No, not at all. And I always felt, too, you know, there was one young lady that I happened to know. Her name was Donna Summers. She owned that realm of music. And, you know, why am I going to jump in that pool when I don't know how to swim? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But other people did, right? Other people saw... Disco come in and said, well, I, I need to jump in that pool, even if it's pretty full already. Yes. In fact, there's one that I, I still kind of look sideways at for doing that. And there's Barbara Streisand, who decided she was going to become a disco queen, but she utilized the wherewithal of Donna Summers to do it. You know, it was enough is enough, and it was enough for me. As far as I was concerned, you know, that was just not her area to excel in. In that period of your life, were you competitive with other artists? You know, I didn't feel that I was competing with anybody in the field at all. You earn everything that you receive. You know, nothing's given to you. You know, I looked at it as I was supportive mostly of those who were in the same realm that I was in. And those are the friends that I've made during the course of this time. You know, I don't think there's anybody in the world that could do what Gladys Knight does. Mm-hmm. And I support her. I don't think anybody can do what Patti LaBelle does. I support her or Diana Ross or any of the other ladies that were really excelling and making some wonderful music. And I applaud them. I think that's the way you're supposed to do it. Did you feel like when you were recording so prolifically that you were able to be who you were fully? Absolutely. You know, we were doing something that was completely different than anything else that was being recorded during that period of time. And uh, I was doing what I do. So, and everybody else was doing what they do. So I was concerned. And what about like when, um, you know, there was a period where, where people were calling you a crossover artist where you were doing more pop music than the R&B that you had been? I was doing music, and I've never been able to be categorized. You know, I don't care what people thought I was. And, you know, and I, I have never, ever felt that music should be separated. You know, when we come down to it, we all sing the same eight notes. There are only eight notes in the scale, 13 if it's chromatically. And it's like, it's only the way that it's presented. 
that makes it different from anything else. Right. Except for disco. Disco, same thing. The same eight notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> I know that you, you've, you've said to me a couple of times now that you, you've always known who you are. But aside from being someone who says what they think, what else does that mean? Like, I know this is kind of a ridiculous question, but like, who do you think you are? I am Dion. That's simple. Nothing more, nothing less. And and when you were um in that lull, right? When you were like not going to sing disco, you felt that just as strongly? You know, yes, I did. You know what it did? It really gave me an opportunity to be the mother I'm supposed to have been. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to stay home. I had an opportunity to to just be for a minute and to regroup and think okay, I have my credentials, I can always teach if it comes to that. You know, I became you know, what most people don't think we are, the human being that I am, and revisit who Dion really is. Not the one that you see on the stage with the gowns and the this and the that and the about about D. Is there a gap, you think, between the person that your fans thought you were and who that person that you reconnected with is? You know, people don't always have an opinion, and that's okay. Your opinion, it happens to be your thoughts. Unless you get to get it directly from the source. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think whatever you want to think in any event. So as long as you spell my name right, okay, that's <laughs> all I ask for. <laughs> that's all that matters to you? <laughs> Can't tell you how many times I've been Diane. <laughs> you know, and uh, I used to correct people, and I remember vividly one lady followed me through the airport, just screaming, "Diane, Diane, Diane!" <laughs> and I finally turned around and I looked at her and I said, "Let me spell my name for you." And I said, "There's not an A anywhere within Dion." Well, I got to ask you if you're going to bring up the spelling of your name. Wasn't your name misspelled on your first album? Yes, it was, and I was completely distraught about it. I really was. And again, my grandpa, he was just, he was, my grandfather was my biggest fan. And he said, my darling, listen. He said, you know your name is Warwick, with two R's. He said, you use that W in a very, very special way. W-A-R-W-I-C-K is your stage name, your professional name. And I said, oh, yeah, that makes sense, grandpa. And it does. Help me understand how it makes sense. How does it make sense? Yeah. That's who I'm known as. And you can be kind of both people at once. I am both people at once. The funny thing about it is my my name, Warwick, that's the way it's pronounced outside of this country. In England, it's pronounced Warwick. In Brazil, it's pronounced Warwick. So it doesn't change at all. <laughs> right. It's like uh, it can be two things in the same thing. Exactly. One in the same. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now streaming only on disney plus my name is taylor welcome to the eras tour experience taylor swift's record-breaking eras tour Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you think back to your earliest performances, you know, maybe a time you took the stage for the first time in front of a packed house, Mm -hmm. how did that feel? Can you remember that feeling? Yeah, I can. I've been singing in front of people since I'm six years old. And I think the first time I ever felt a bit of terror, absolute terror, (laughs) was my first time at the Apollo Theater performing as a, a solo artist. And I'll tell you how I got over that. Nina Simone happened to be standing in the wings prior to my going out on stage. And she looked at me and she saw the terror in my eyes. (laughs) She said, you're afraid, right? I said, I am scared to death. (laughs) And she said, well, I want to give you some little tidbit here. When you go out there, you go out there and make that stage so hot 
that whoever has to come out there after you will have to tiptoe, you know, just keep from burning their feet. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. She said exactly those words to me. And when I walked out on that stage, it was with the most confident that <laughs> she gave me that confidence to do that. She just flipped a switch for you. Yes, she did. I love her to this very day for that. How old were you when you walked on that stage? 26. Never forget it. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you remember how long your set was? <laughs> Three songs. <laughs> Three songs. Do you remember what they were? They do. Don't make me over. Anyone that had a heart. And what I say. Ray Charles, what I say. And how did that feel when you finished that Ray Charles tune? It was magic. That people were standing up screaming. They were having the best time with me. <laughs> I loved it. Man, that must just be an unbelievable feeling to have Nina Simone. Oh, you'll never know. It's one of those you had to be there. (laughs) It's amazing to hear you tell that story. It makes me think about how many incredible rooms you've been in in your life, how many legendary people you've crossed paths with. Are there any other moments where someone gave you a piece of advice that you held on to that changed the course of your life in some way that you can think of? Oh, absolutely. My mentors, all of them. And, you know, and it sounds like I'm name dropping when I tell you who my mentors were, but it's God's honest truth. You know, I was embraced by the icons of our industry. I mean, the Sarah Vaughn, Elvis Gerald, Lena Horn, Diane Carroll, Eartha Kitt, Marlene Dietrich, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. You know, I was allowed to sit in rooms with them and hear their stories. They threw their arms around me and made me their baby. They spoiled me rotten. (laughs) And I still am, and I love every minute of it. (laughs) I read your book, and there's a story in there about you taking notes. Yeah, Diane Carroll. Yeah, with Diane Carroll. What what would you write down in that situation? What she wore, the songs that she sang, the words that she spoke, she was introducing songs or just bantering with the audience. She was, as were those other ladies I've mentioned, they were playing those places that I saw myself playing eventually. And I wanted to know what they were doing that made it so that they could play those places. The way they looked, the way they walked, all those things that made them who they are. And they, in turn, once they embraced me, you know, made sure that I walked straight and narrow. Dion, do you miss that time in your life? Um, Being on stage that often? Being in those rooms? Yeah, I do. I'm missing it very now. I've been home for a year. This is only as I've ever been really able to, first of all, enjoy my home (laughs) and sleep in my own bed. And get up if I wanted to, or if I didn't, I didn't. I'm utilizing this sort of as a vacation I've never had. It's been absolutely wonderful, but I am missing my profession. I'm missing what I do. But even now, do you feel like you can do it in the same way? I mean, once we get out of this. Of course. You know, I guess you've missed the fact that it doesn't matter where I am or 
what room I'm playing or what auditorium I'm singing in or where I'm performing. I am always me, <laughs> you know. I have gotten on stage, I've forgotten words to a song and look out in the audience, somebody was singing the right words, and I'd say, yeah, you got that right, you sing the right words, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I think people know once I hit that stage or anywhere else that I'm performing, I just have a God-given talent that I'm utilizing and trying to make you happy. And if I'm doing that, that's what my J-O-B is. That's such a generous way to think about it. That's the only way to think about it, really. You stop and think at all. Do you ever think about a day when you can't go on stage anymore? No, not really. But I do have something that I do aside from saying I have an interior design company that keeps me quite busy as well. And I also have my credentials if I feel I want to teach. I'm not concerned about not being able to go on stage any longer. You know, that's going to be another vacation for me. <laughs> what would you teach? Music education. That's what my degree is in. Have you taught any time recently? No. I haven't had time to. It would be, uh, it would be really fun to take a music class with you. <laughs> you think so, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not very difficult. But I do expect the very best that you can give me. I don't find that very surprising, I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> I do find it a little surprising that you're still thinking about teaching as a backup plan, though. Like, um, you're Dionne Warwick. You don't need a backup plan, right? Why not? Everybody's to that one. I don't know. I guess I, I, guess it's, I think of you as... Um, having reached the peaks of some pretty tall mountains, you know? And why stop? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that's, a, that's something I'm trying to figure out myself a little bit, you know, is, is there some point that you can reach where you'll feel content? Is there some point that feels like, all right, I did the thing, I'm good, I'm done? <laughs> or is that not a real idea, you know? No, there's always something else. There always is, you know. Your brain doesn't stop. You know, you're always thinking. And an idea will pop into your brain that you can manifest. So why be content with only what you're doing at this point in time? Have you written a book? No, no, I haven't. Well, why not? Uh... I don't know, some combination of it seems very difficult and I don't think anyone would, want, anyone would want to hear what I have to say. How would you know that until you try? Now you're going to make me sit down and feel like I have to write a book. Why not? You know, if you're able to do what you're doing now, what's to prevent you from writing a book or a screenplay? <laughs> I don't know. What do, you, what do you think stops people from doing those things? Encouraging, maybe. You know, nobody putting the thought in their path. Yeah. And I just did. <laughs> I think on some level, it's like the reason that, I mean, the reason that I don't do things at least is just fear, I think. Fear of what? I don't know. Failing? <laughs> Haven't you been told no? Haven't you been told no before? Yeah. 
I've been told no before. I don't think I liked it very much. Well, that's what you're not supposed to like. Because no doesn't exist in my vocabulary. It's on the other side of no, that's got to be a yes. Is that something you can learn? No, it's something that you practice. Not learn, you practice it. How do you practice it? You know the old thing when one door closes and another one opens? Yeah. And it, it does happen. You just have to keep finding those doors and keep opening them. And if they close, go to the next one. One of them will open. Is that how you think about your your life and your career? Just like um, when you look back at it, does it look like one cohesive plan, like a journey that always made sense? Or does it feel more random and chaotic than that? You know, I was taught from Jump Street very young in life by my grandpa again that we are preordained as to what we were put on this earth to do. God has a plan for you. And he keeps putting other things in your way to accomplish. And once you have done everything he wants you to do, and I, I mean this sincerely from my heart, once your task has been completed, then you reap your reward. That's when you can say, okay, I want my reward. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I ask you one more question? I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. What was your grandfather's name? Elsie, E-L-C-A-E, Reverend Elsie Warwick. It's incredible to hear you talk about the impact that he had on you. I mean, he's come up again and again and again in this conversation. Yeah, my grandfather was quite something. He was a brilliant minister. He knew that Bible forward and backwards and uh, lived the life of the Bible. And made sure that we knew the Bible and tried to live our lives in that fashion. And, you know, you know pearls of wisdom that he was throwing our way. Yeah. You know, and all those things kind of come forward when you're faced with situations. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, if I said that's going to happen. Now what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> <laughs> you know? How old were you when he passed? Let's see. Um, I had to be about 28, 29. Can I ask you how, how you um how you moved on without him? You know, it's like I said, when you have completed the task that God put you here to do, you will go and reap your reward. And that's what he did. And there were moments too, you know, that I I would question it. <laughs> I mean, truly question it. I remember saying something to him one afternoon that I thought he was going to chew my head off. I said to him, Grandpa, God can do everything, right? Yes, that's true. I said, now, there's one thing God can't do. And I thought he was going to kill me. Mm -hmm. He said, did you hear what you just said? I said, yeah. There's one thing God can't do. And he said, okay, young lady, what is that one thing God can't do? And I looked at him and I said, fail. (laughs) (laughs) He laughed, I think, for 20 minutes. (laughs) He laughed, the tears came out of his eyes. You know, he he was just um, somebody I truly loved and believed. 
and felt that he had every answer to every question. Do you still feel that way about him now? Like, yeah, I do, and I, I not only feel that way about him. You know, I've, I've lost. I jokingly say, but it's true. I'm an orphan now. You know, my mom, my dad, my my grandparents, my sister, my brother are all gone. They've gone reap their rewards, but I know that they are looking down on me. You know, I, I, I know for sure my dad, especially, because there are moments when I will open my mouth ready to say something, and his favorite word for me was, think <laughs> before you speak. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mouth was open and my, my foot would fly in it more times than not. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I know they got their eye on they're watching me. I just want to be by you. 70 Over 70 is a production of Pineapple Street Studios, and it's produced by Jess Hackle. Our associate producer is Janelle Anderson. Our editors are Maddie Sprung Kaiser and Joel Lovell. Research and additional reporting by Charlie Locke. Our mixers are Raj Makija and Elliot Adler, and Jenna Weiss-Berman and I are the executive producers. Our theme song is Like a Dream by Francis and the Lights, and the music you're listening to right now is by Arthur Russell, who would have been 70 this year. Original music by Terrence Bernardo, additional music by Noble Kids, and music licensing by Dan Kanishkawi. Our cover art is by Myra Kalman, who's 72. And our episode art is by Lynn Staley, She's 73, and she's also my mom. Thank you, Gloria Allen, and thank you, Dion Warwick. I'm Max Linsky. Thanks for listening. I can't wait to see you.